As Earth Keepers, we hold wisdom about our planet within our bodies learned through lifetimes of experience on Earth and throughout the cosmos. I'm Amy Dempster, a shamanic practitioner and your host for the Earth Keepers podcast, and I'm on a journey to reconnect with my soul family, the other Earth Keepers, grid workers, portal tenders, land stewards, and nature lovers around the world. On this podcast, you won't find gurus or dogma, just a safe space where I share personal stories from my spiritual journey. Welcome back to the Earth Keepers podcast. If you're listening to this episode on the day that it's released, then it's Tuesday, November 3rd. Mercury retrograde is officially over at 10.50 a.m. here in Mountain Time. It also happens to be Election Day here in the United States, and your guess about what will happen next is as good as mine. Honestly, for the first half of the year, it didn't even feel to me like we would have an election this year. I just couldn't feel into the energy of it. But as of this recording, it does look like an election will happen, but In no way do I think we will have a clear view about the outcome anytime soon. I'm not an astrologer, but I do find it fascinating that we'll be entering eclipse season with the full moon on November 30th, followed up by a total solar eclipse on December 14th, the same day the Electoral College meets to vote on the presidential election. What does it all mean? I truly have no idea. But there are often big shifts and changes around eclipses, so I would expect things to feel topsy-turvy, at least until then. The big date we should be looking forward to is the winter solstice on December 21st. Jupiter and Saturn will align in the sign of Aquarius, signaling a shift into a new 20-year cycle. It's also the first time in 200 years these planets will shift from aligning in Earth signs to aligning in an air sign, quite literally ushering us into the age of Aquarius. It's the beginning of a new era, a new way of seeing the world. So we have a solar eclipse on the 14th, opening a gateway or portal, reinforced by this grand conjunction on the winter solstice one week later, signifying a return to the light. We're literally stepping into the new earth, an even more expanded consciousness between now and the end of the year. The higher we can hold our own vibration, the higher our collective vibration will be. So keep that in mind as events unfold in the coming weeks. Do your best to hold the vision of the earth we want to create, because I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of noise and distraction to pull our focus away from our true soul mission. Just hang in there and keep anchoring those new codes into the earth. There's a lot of energy shifting and moving right now, but More to come on that in the future weeks. Right now, I want to shift from astrology to the astral realms. Let's talk about a group of energies that I refer to as the ancestors. Every piece of land typically has ancestor spirits of some kind present. They're not always actual spirits. Sometimes it's just the energy they've left behind. But they are an important part of the spiritual landscape of the land. So I always ask to speak with them and ask what messages they have when connecting with a piece of property. Most often, it's the indigenous people of the land who identify themselves as ancestors, and 
they usually show me how they use the land when they were present. I'll see them fishing or gathering berries or drinking the water, pictures of their everyday lives. But on occasion, there is trauma on the land that they are still connected to. When I've tuned into the energy present in places like that, I've seen children taken from their mothers, people attacked or homes burned, and often the spirits present are still in this state of panic or fear. In those cases, the people currently living on the land usually feel like there's something unsettling there, but they just can't quite put their finger on it. If you're empathic at all, meaning you can feel the emotions of others, you will very likely pick up on this kind of trauma left in the land. It can be confusing or frightening, depending on how the message is conveyed to you. Sometimes it's earthbound spirits who need some help transitioning, and they're showing you how they died. Or it could be the spirits of the land who want some assistance cleaning up energy left behind by tragic events. As I've done this work with the land and with ancestor spirits over the years, though, a question kept nagging at me. How can I connect with or belong to land that I am not indigenous to? How do I respectfully work with ancestors who are not mine on land that I have no ancestral connection to? Now, when I think of indigenous culture anywhere around the world, I'm thinking about people who are living on the land before colonization. Indigenous, meaning that they had earth-honoring religions and beliefs. In North America, we're only talking about a handful of generations to get back to that time. Many of the traditions may still be intact, but probably just barely. It's truly a miracle that indigenous people and stories have lasted at all, given the Herculean efforts around the world to wipe them out generation after generation. If you're of primarily European descent, like me, you may have to go back a thousand years to find ancestors who were living in true connection with the land and all of the other-than-human people present, like animal people, plant people, stone people, etc. And they would have had some kind of practice for honoring and connecting with ancestor spirits. But we're talking pre-Roman Empire. So, yeah, that knowledge and those traditions from my ancestors are lost to me. And it would be inappropriate to use the traditions of the people who are indigenous to the land I live on now to connect with the ancestors here. They don't belong to me, the traditions or the ancestors. But if I try to go back to my own indigenous roots and attempt to piece together those traditions, it's quickly evident that they don't belong in this place with me now either. Customs would have evolved in partnership with the plants and animals and water and mountains and people that all live together in a specific place that I am now removed from. So how do I go about truly connecting with ancestor spirits of a place I'm not indigenous to? After contemplating that question for a number of months a few years back, well, one day I received an answer. That is, in most places, the land doesn't remember these things either. Humans have largely been ignoring the spirits of the land, the ancestors, the trees, the plants, and animals for generations now. And unless you live somewhere that the local indigenous culture has continued working with the land and the spirits present in an unbroken line, which 
I promise you can feel where that's the case, then the other side of the veil has not been tended and those spirits have withdrawn. The bridge has been burned. They're not even trying to communicate with us in most cases. They're still there doing their thing, but they're ignoring us just as we've ignored them. And none of us are the better for it. This is why, as a culture, we now view nature as something separate from us, as a place we go to when we feel like it, not something that's part of us or that we're dependent on. I realize that if we want to rebuild the bridge, we not only have to reach back into our own indigenous knowledge, hidden deep in ourselves somewhere, but we have to help the land do the same. And what that means for the most part is that we all just have to start over. We have to create new traditions and customs between the spirits and the people now present. Luckily, though, we do have the support of our ancestors, and they don't have to be separate from us or the place we now live. My own ancestors so beautifully showed this to me. About a year and a half ago, while leading a retreat in the desert, I woke up early the first morning and was sitting quietly in the big stone house on the property, watching the sun come up over the desert plateau when I suddenly realized my grandfather was there too, my mother's father who passed away in 2013. There he suddenly was, standing at the window, hands in his back pockets, watching the sunrise with me. At first, I thought it was just a memory of him, and I said to myself, oh, he would have loved this. But then I realized it wasn't a memory at all. He was really there, and he stayed with me for the entire trip. He came to me in our group journey that evening to say that the work I'm doing will help heal the ancestral line, both backwards and forwards, and that I'm able to do it in my lifetime, what so many of my ancestors weren't able to do in theirs. Many generations were stepping forward to support me. And even after returning home, my grandfather continued to show up as a guide in more than one journey. He kept telling me, just keep being yourself. We see you. We support you. And after a few weeks, it all became clear. I was watching a video with Dr. Daniel Four, author of Ancestral Medicine a book I highly recommend if you're interested in doing ancestral healing work. In this video, he was explaining how our indigenous ancestors can help grease the wheels with the ancestors on the land where we now live. They basically put in a good word for you in spirit. Kind of funny, huh? But really, it makes sense. The spirits where we live now may or may not know us or what our intentions are. So when our ancestors show up and vouch for us, The other ancestors, the ones who were indigenous to this place, now know it's all good. So Dr. Four suggests that we journey to meet an indigenous ancestor and spirit who is whole and healed, and then introduce them to the ancestors on the land where we live now. Seriously brilliant. And although I already knew and was working with the ancestors on the land where I live, I was still excited to try it for myself. And I realized that's what my grandpa had been waiting around for. In fact, it was such a beautiful experience for me that I created two meditations for the Earth Tenders Academy to walk you through meeting your own ancient ancestors and making the introduction to the ancestors on the land. Now, keep in mind that we have thousands of ancestors, and not all of them are healed. They have not all transitioned and not all connected to source energy. You don't want to interact with them all, and you certainly don't want their advice. So, 
be sure to invoke what I call the bubble of protection around yourself and intend that nothing comes inside the bubble that's not connected to source. When I called forward my indigenous ancestors in spirit, two people stepped forward, a man and a woman wrapped in fur pelts. They said they were Scandinavian and from my father's line. And when I asked for their names, they said that they represented the energy of all of my healed ancestors. I asked about their culture and traditions, and they said that all things were sacred. They acknowledged all life and all other beings. It was a very simple life, but rich in meaning and ceremony and mutual respect. They said that there is now a great divide and that humans have been violently torn from all that we are and all that creates a life worth living and that it's time to begin stitching these torn pieces back together. I asked what an appropriate offering would be to the ancestors on the land where I live now, and they suggested yarrow leaves, which just so happened to grow abundantly on the land here. I was relieved that they didn't ask me to sacrifice a rabbit or something, which, by the way, there are many ways to honor that kind of request from ancestor spirits without actually sacrificing a rabbit. I would have just had to be more creative. So I made a note of their request and decided I would do the ceremony later in the week. Two days passed and I was sitting at my computer working and suddenly my ancestors showed up. They were very antsy. They wanted me to do the ceremony now. I asked them to let me eat my lunch first, but they literally stood around tapping their toes while I made and ate my salad. But it occurred to me while they were waiting that the other spirits of the land here had asked me to bury a gemstone in the ground at each portal here on the land. I'd been waiting for winter to end and the ground to thaw to do that, but now it was summer and the spirits had been pestering me for weeks to do it. But the gemstones were still each sitting in a mason jar at each portal, so I decided I would also do that project while I was outside. As I tromped around outside from portal to portal, I suddenly noticed there was a patch of yarrow in every portal. Ah, now I was getting it. The ancestors can be clever like that. And it's not like yarrow is uncommon here. It's a native plant and it pops up everywhere, even in our driveway. But it's not everywhere on the property. It needs just the right growing conditions, which apparently are found at each portal. And funny, huh? So, I collected, with permission, a few feathery leaves of yarrow from each portal location as I buried the stones until I ended up at the big yellow portal where I was asked to do the ceremony to introduce the ancestors. The entire time I was working, my ancestors were with me. They kept repeating over and over, you know how to do this. You've done this before. So I intuitively laid the yarrow out on top of a small stump that I've used for offerings and ceremonies in that location in the past. Then I called all healed ancestors who wanted to participate into the portal. It was suddenly packed full of ancestor spirits. I introduced myself and my ancestors, and I shared the offering to those willing to accept it. I apologized for all that had happened to the indigenous people around the world, for the pain and suffering that still continues today in all of our ancestral lines. And I was suddenly hit with a huge wave of emotion and felt all of their sadness, but also all of their joy, that these traditions are able to be lifted from the earth once again, that we can begin new relationships with each other, that we can all start to remember what we once knew. 
our own indigenous wisdom still being handed down from our ancestors on the other side of the veil. After the ceremony was complete and I returned to the house, I looked up yarrow in Scandinavia. And as it turns out, it's a native plant there as well. And its primary function is to heal wounds. What a perfect offering suggested by my ancestors to greet the ancestors here. Symbolism is not lost on me. So as I move forward with my work and continue connecting with ancestor spirits on the land and the places that I do healing work, I hope the yarrow helps begin to heal these wounds they've asked me to help stitch back together. The wounds in my own ancestry and the wounds present on the land where I now live. I encourage you to make this connection for yourself, to your ancient earth-honoring ancestors and the indigenous ancestors present in the place you live. If you'd like me to show you how, it's one of the modules in the Earth Tenders Academy, my online course, where I'll walk you step-by-step through connecting with the spirits of the land. You'll also learn healing techniques unique to working with the earth and decode some of the mysteries behind earth energies like portals and grids. There's a link in the show notes to learn more and join me, along with other earth tenders from all over the world doing this work. I hope you have a beautiful week, and I'll see you back here next Tuesday. Thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Earth Keepers podcast. I'm so honored to share this journey with you. I would love it if you join me and other Earth Keepers from around the world in the Following Hawks Earth Keepers community on Facebook. To find the show notes, additional resources, or learn more about working with me, go to earthkeeperspodcast.com. Until next time, I'll see you in the multiverse.